How you guys doing tonight? Doing well, man. Powerful worship. Can we thank our worship team one more time? Just say thank you to that. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Well, are you glad you're here? Do you, do you like who you're sitting next to tonight? You like who you're sitting? Next to? That's good. You got you got a couple couple more minutes left, so I hope you do. Hey, I want to introduce you to some people. You're probably wondering why I got a posse with me tonight behind me, and I want to introduce you to who they are. Uh, as you know, we have launched into our small group season, and so we're launching small groups. All of 12 Sony is launching into small groups, and so uh, we have a couple here at C12 that are just for you. They're for your age demographic, and so if you go to a campus somewhere, uh, they likely have some as well, but uh, if not, or if you just want to kind of roll with us here, uh, we've got a few small groups that we'd love for all of you to jump into. How many of you have been involved in a small group before in the past? Come on, that's right. So we love small groups around here, and we believe they're essential to your faith and growing. So I want to introduce you to some of the people that are going to be leading them this semester. We do them by semester, so you just go for about 10 weeks or so, and then you take a break, and then we'll launch back into them next semester. But without further ado, I just want you to put uh, you, I want you to be able to put a face to a name so that when you go online, you can go online to download the 12 Stone app. It's the easiest and best way to sign up for a small group. Download the app. You can do that. Or you can go online to 12stone.com slash small groups and find them there. So let me first, uh, I'll start down here. How you guys doing down here? Doing great, great. I want you guys to meet. This is Michael and Emad. You guys may know them. You've seen them around. Michael and Emad. So I won't spend a whole lot of time talking about details of their, like, like real deep details, but I'll spend some. So they're hosting a guys group. No girls, sorry. They're doing a guys group only, and uh, they're going to be meeting on Monday nights, right? Monday nights, 7 o'clock, and so if you got Monday nights free or if you can make it free, highly encourage you to jump into their group. These guys are awesome, and I know they would enjoy having you a part of their group. Y'all stay up here. All right, this is Lauren and Esther. Y'all give it up for Lauren and Esther. They're awesome. Uh, Monday. So they're, they're having a girls group Mondays at 7 o'clock. Where are you guys meeting first? Boulder Creek. You guys know where Boulder Creek is? Everybody, everybody rolls to Boulder Creek. So um, Boulder Creek at uh, 7 o'clock on Mondays. They're doing a girls group, and it's going to be awesome. I know these girls personally, that's a weird thing to say, but uh, <laughs> they're awesome. So you should jump into their group. It's going to be great. Also, we have Sydney and Sarah. Y'all get up for Sydney and Sarah. And uh, they're doing a group. When is it again? Mondays at 6 o'clock. Mondays at 6 o'clock. So uh, we try and offer a little bit different, you know, all over the calendar. So that way if one doesn't work for you, you can jump in another one. All these groups are going to be great. Uh, but if the schedule works best for you, do that. Mondays at 6 o'clock. Where are y'all meeting at? Boulder Creek as well. We're taking over the whole Boulder Creek coffee. It's going to be amazing. So awesome. All right. Then next we have Hassan. And you guys know Hassan. And Trip. Hassan and Trip are leading one together, and uh, they meet on Sunday nights at the Hamilton Mill campus, uh, the 12 Stone campus at 6.30, and these guys are experienced small group leaders. They're awesome, and their group is always great, so you'll want to jump in. I want to tell you a little bit of details about their group. Uh, they're going to be specifically, I've asked them to do this, uh, targeted toward kind of the middle age range of college, so if you're like 20 to 22, you're not a freshman in college, but you got a few years in, right, uh, their group is going to be specifically toward that. We feel like there's power and getting people that are kind of in the same uh, segment of life, same, same season of life. So that's what theirs is going after. So go online, sign up for theirs. If that's you, it's going to be great. And they're not scary at all. They're bigger than me. And and, uh, awesome. and then this is Alex. Y'all say hey to Alex. Um, 
Alex is going to be leading a group as well on Sunday nights at 6.30 at the Hamilton Mill campus as well. So there's lots of space there, so we're going to be utilizing that space. And uh, one thing that's unique that I really wanted to do this semester specifically is offer a group for some of you guys that are out of college. So maybe you're in kind of the, we, some people call it young professional season of life. So you're still, maybe you're 22, 23, whatever, you graduated from college. Maybe you didn't even go to college, but that's kind of your age range. Uh, their group is specifically for that because that age of life is so different than, let's say, you're 18 years old, fresh into, into college or fresh into that season of life. So that's specifically what Alex is going to be leading alongside of Trent, and so uh, Trent couldn't be here tonight, but Alex and them are going to be doing that group, so get signed up for that one. <laughs> and uh, last but definitely not least is my friend Jen. Y'all get up for Jen. <laughs> Jen is, uh, he's leading a group at the Hamilton Hill campus as well at 6.30 on Sunday nights, and so for those of, of these groups that meet at Hamilton Mill Campus at 6.30. They kind of all gather together, one big group, then they break off into others. Super cool, super powerful. They've been doing it for years. And so I love these guys. But 6.30, Hamilton Mill Campus. And Jen is going to be targeted specifically for that younger college age. So even if you're not in college, but if you're 18, 19, fresh into that season of life, uh, they're all going to be meeting together. So all of these we'd love for you to get online, sign up for. You can go, once again, to the 12 Stone app or 12stone.com slash smallgroups, and I promise you, you will not regret getting involved in a small group. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Can we give them a big hand? Thank you all for coming. Lead the way. Zach, Jen's going to be leading with Zach as well. Zach couldn't be here. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me. Awesome. Rocking the small group t-shirts as well. Look amazing. Hey, uh, one more thing before we get into the teaching tonight. I promise you we're going to get into to the Bible, if that's cool. Um, that's what we do here. But before we get into that, I want to introduce you guys to one more person tonight that's joining our team here uh, at C12. So you guys know, if you've been around for a little bit, we have residents that uh, come in with us. They serve with us for two years. They're training for ministry. I was a resident at once, and uh, some people that you see on stage are residents. So I want to introduce you to our new resident serving with us at College of 12 Song. This is Tori Covington. We all welcome Tori. So Tori just joined the team this week, so she is fresh on the, on the job, and uh, I've enjoyed working with Tori so far, and I believe there's great things ahead. She's going to be helping out, serving in different areas, getting to know you guys, serving you guys in different capacities, and so uh, Tori just recently, she's been married for like three hours, not really, uh, three months, just got married, uh, graduated. Graduated from Indiana Wesleyan University and studied some ministry things there. And so she's awesome, way smarter than me. And so I'm excited for her to get involved with you guys. You guys get to know her, and it's going to be a fun season. So, Tori, welcome to the team. Y'all welcome her. Cool. All right. Oh, that's good water. Hey, we started this series last week called Reckless. And uh, obviously the, the song we just sang goes well with it, but we're talking about Reckless. And uh, it's really kind of a vision series for who we are here at C12. We want you to know what we're all about, what we're going to be going after this semester, this next year of ministry. And uh, for those of you that may be new around here, maybe you just moved up from high school or maybe you just found out about us so you're jumping in, uh, we want you to know who we are. It matters who we are. Uh, hopefully, and we believe every church hopefully is championing the name of Jesus above everything else. But a lot like restaurants or, or something else, uh, 
every church kind of has its different flavor. Or may, every church uh, may focus on something a little bit more than other churches. And so I know a lot of you uh, may not be involved at 12 Stone other than coming here on Thursday nights. But I want you to know a little bit about us, what we stand for, what we're going after, what, what is important to us. I want you to know our values uh, because if you look at the values of someone or something, an organization, you know what they're all about, right? If, if I want to know your values, I can look at where you spend your time, what you focus on, where you spend your money. That's how I can get to know what you care about in life. So I want you guys to know a little bit about us and what we value here at C12. And so last week we started in this reckless series, and we talked about uh, the reckless love of God over each life, over every life. We talked about how one life matters. And we talked about the story of Jesus leaving the 99 for the one sheep. You guys remember that? He left the 99 for the one because one matters. And that's what he did for you. He left and he came after you more than anything else. He came after you. He has a reckless love over your life. And so we talked about that. And uh, tonight I want to lead us into talking about uh, what it means for one leader. Why does one leader matter? What does it mean uh, to be a leader? And so I want to start by opening up scripture and reading Mark chapter 9. Is it hot in here? Anybody else? A little toasty because I'm wearing this massive hoodie, feeling a little insecure because it's like four sizes too big. But it's comfortable. But it's comfortable. <laughs> Turn to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. If you got a Bible, or we're going to put it on the screens for you. And um, we'd love for you to take notes. You should have gotten a bulletin when you come in. There should be a pen uh, in the back of the chair in front of you or under your chair. Welcome to take notes. You don't have to. It's a free country. <laughs> but I'm silently judging you if you don't. Wow, rough crowd tonight. I'm like trying real hard, real hard. Whew. Uh, verse 33, Mark 9, verse 33. And uh, let's read a few verses here. If you're there, say amen. It says this, says they came to Capernaum when... Uh, when he was in the house, he asked them, this is Jesus asking, he says, what were you arguing about on the road? Talking to some of his followers. He said, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way, they had argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. Interesting to me that Jesus asked what were you guys arguing about? And they didn't even tell him. And then he just started talking because he already knew. Funny, right? Verse 36, keep reading. It says, he took a little child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not just welcome me, but the one who sent me. Kind of a, a weird like confusing thing for Jesus to do, but I'm, for for Jesus to do, but I want to talk about that just for a little bit tonight. For the next few moments we have together, let me pray over us, and uh, we'll get going. God, thank you so much for uh, people in this room. Thank you for our time together. Thank you that you got them here. I know they got a lot going on and different things in their life, but you have them here for a purpose. So, God, I ask that you would make the most out of it. Would you take? words off of pages and make them come alive in our hearts? Would you take an ordinary church service and an ordinary preacher and turn it into something supernatural? We ask, God, that you would uh, change us. May we not walk out of the door the same way that we walked in them. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
Hey, any, uh, any NBA fans in the room tonight? You watch NBA, you're an NBA fan. Uh, anybody not even know what the NBA is? <laughs> okay, good, good. That was going to be funny if, if you raise your hand. I was going to point you out. Just kidding. Uh, I guess you could say I'm kind of an NBA fan. I enjoy watching a little bit. And if you follow it at all, you're probably aware of one of the biggest debates in uh, all of society, which is who is the greatest NBA player to play the game, right? And uh, most of the discussion revolves around two individuals. Do you know who they are? Most of the discussion revolves around uh, Michael Jordan and LeBron James. And there's some, there's some great players other than that as well. But when we talk about who is the GOAT, who is the GOAT, uh, it's either Michael Jordan or LeBron James, right? And uh, I follow LeBron James a little bit just because I think he's incredible. He's the most dominant athlete in all the sports, I believe. And, uh, and so if you follow him a little bit, you, you've, you notice a statement that he continues to use over and over and over again, especially on social media, if you follow him. Uh, he uses this statement, and he says, hashtag strive for greatness. Hashtag strive for greatness. And this is kind of his, like, this theme. This is his, like, life hashtag, I guess. It's kind of weird. But anytime he posts anything of him in the gym, him putting some extra time in, he's, you know, working hard, got his, his workout gear on, doing his thing, getting better for the next season, he says, strive for greatness. This is my thing. And I respect that. I, I think it's phenomenal. We should all uh, go after something. We should all have goals in front of us. We should all go after something bigger than ourselves, right? No one wants to be last in something. We should strive for greatness, right? And it's not just LeBron James. I mean, this is kind of his thing. But I got to thinking about it. I thought, isn't that kind of something in all of us? I mean, all of us have a desire for greatness, a little bit. And you may not be striving to be the best player to ever play basketball. You may not be striving to be an MVP or, or to, you know, win championships or whatever, but you also have a desire for greatness in you. It's kind of just a natural thing. We all have it in us. Now, you know, you don't ever walk into a store. Ladies, when was the last time you walked into a store shopping for clothes and you said, yes, I'm looking for the most average outfit you have? Can you show me the most average pair of pants that you have? No, right? You walk in going, I want the best thing you got in here. What's the best thing? Not the most expensive thing, but I want the best thing you got, right? When was the last time you walked into a restaurant and you went to order and you said, what is the most uh, average steak on the menu? What's the most mediocre appetizer, right? No one says that. You want to, what's the best thing you got? What's the best hamburger, I want to know what the best is. Like, I have a desire for the best. I have a desire for greatness. It's all in us, right? In the words of the great scholar Ricky Bobby, no one wants to be last, right? If you ain't first, you're last. Right? We all had that in us a little bit, a desire to be great. The problem is we don't know the pathway to greatness. The problem is most of us don't know the pathway to greatness. And Mark chapter 9 has such a, a, such a paradigm shift in all of humanity and what it means to follow Jesus. And you got Jesus kind of on the road with his, his crew, his homies, right? And they're on a little bit of, of a road trip. Anybody like road trips? Anybody like road trips? He's rolling with his crew. He's rolling with his crew on a road trip, and, 
I always I have this uh, kind of measure of how I decide whether someone is a good friend or not. And because you got a lot of people that you like, but some people that you're like, I like them, but you know, I'm not like a best friend with them, right? This is how I decide where they stand with me. Would I take a road trip to Colorado with this person? <laughs> That's how I determine how much I like somebody, <laughs> right? Not really, but it's true because uh, you may have a friend, but would you get in a car and take a road trip with someone? They got to be a real good friend to drive to California with somebody, right? That's a different level type of friend, but that was totally random. But Jesus is rolling with his crew, and uh, they have this, you know, the kind of this moment. Do you remember the question when you were on a road trip, the, the most annoying question of all time? You probably asked it when you were a kid, and you'll get it whenever you were a parent or whenever you become a parent. What's the most annoying question in the world? Are, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Everyone wants to know, are we there yet? Why? Because people want to arrive but they don't want to make the trip. Everyone wants to arrive, but very few people want to make the trip. See, everyone wants to reach their purpose, but most people want to do it without walking through the process. Everyone wants to reach their purpose, but most people don't want to have to walk through the process. And Jesus steps on the scene here, and he's trying to teach his disciples that there is a process to getting to greatness. Now, when I talk about greatness tonight, I'm not talking about, like, LeBron James' greatness. I'm talking about what it means to be great in the kingdom of God, what it means to be great in the kingdom of God. We're not, and I think there's some principles that apply to, you know, achieving things in life. But really, what does it mean to be great in the kingdom of God? I love, I love in verse 33, I'll read it one more time to you. Uh, it says, they came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. This is so funny to me because you got these guys literally in the presence of the almighty God, in the presence of Jesus. This guy that they've been with for a little while now who has performed incredible miracles. He's done miraculous things. He's obviously something special. This isn't a normal person that they're just rolling with. This is Jesus. This is the Son of God, right? The greatest human to ever walk the earth. And these guys are sitting here talking about who is going to be the greatest amongst us. Isn't that just like Christians? Like even today, that we could be in the very presence of God himself and we get hung up on some of the most pettiest things. Like, like we're more concerned with who's the greatest amongst us and we're super selfish when we can be actually in the presence of the most high, the greatest of all time, Jesus. And we do this in the church. We talked last week about how if we're going to become the community and the people that God wants us to become, then we got to learn not to put like dumb things on people and keep them from getting to God. Right? The church has a tendency to put expectations on people that may not even be Christians yet. And therefore we kind of give them a stiff arm and we don't welcome them into the church. Right? These people are with the greatest man of all time. And yet they're concerned about who's going to be the greatest amongst them. Man, what would happen if we walked into the room and we laid down all the petty arguments, even some of all the theological things, and we knew, man, we're in the presence of God. Some of this petty stuff 
can just take its place. But most of the time, we're more concerned with ourselves, and we're more concerned with the greatness that we have. These guys are frustrated. They're confused. They're arguing about who is the greatest. And I love this. I love that Jesus doesn't condemn them for having this conversation. I'd kind of expect for Jesus to say, what are you guys talking about? What are you arguing about? And then to say, guys, this is stupid. Come on, guys. This is so silly. What a dumb argument. He doesn't condemn them. Why? Because Jesus actually is the one that puts this desire for greatness in all of us. Your desire for greatness comes from God. It does. Your desire for purpose, your desire for impact comes from God himself. The problem is, is like many things in the world, what God meant for good, the enemy likes to come in and kind of twist it and distort it and turn it into something evil, right? I could go through thing by thing that this happens. It happens with sex. What God, God created sex for good, and the enemy comes along, and he distorts it, and he twists it, and he causes confusion amongst all of humanity about what the heck is sexuality and how does it uh, play into our lives and all this kind of thing. And now it's all twisted, all twisted, but it was meant for good. God meant your desire for greatness to be good, but the enemy likes to twist it and turns it. And the world changes it. And the world gives you a different perspective of it. It corrupts what God meant for good. And it's corrupted the definition of greatness. Listen, the world tells you that to be great means to be known. This is the definition that you are being fed of greatness. That if you want to be great, you'll have to be known. And the more known you are, the greater you are. And the more known you are, the greater you are. This is why you are so attached to seeing how many people like your Instagram posts. Right? Come on, it's okay. I struggle with it too. This is why we are attached to knowing how many people liked it. Did so-and-so like it? We got to look for whoever the little heart thing comes from. We got to know. Why? Because there's something in us that says to be great means I have to be known. It means I, I have to be known. We need validation through other people's validation. We seek it. We desire it. And don't you know this is a bottomless, vicious cycle of fatigue and tiredness. Because you can please some people sometimes, but you can't please all the people all the time. You can please some people sometimes, but you cannot please all the people all the time. It's impossible. You're in a vicious cycle of seeking validation. If you are seeking to be known and if achieving greatness requires being known. Or if he can't get you to believe that it requires being known, the definition of greatness he'll get you to believe is means to be better than those around you. It might not have to be known by everybody, but at least got to be better than those around me. And you get into a world of just fighting to get ahead of somebody, fighting to get ahead of another person. And then you start with this comparison game. And Christians do this all the time. And it's this religious game of, well, at least I'm not like him or at least I'm not like her. At least I don't struggle with that. At least that's not my thing. Well, at least I didn't kill nobody. <laughs> right? At least I'm not in jail. At least I haven't gone to jail. At least I... I can't tell you how many times I've heard some of the silliest things. Well, you know, I don't, I may drink a lot, 
and make dumb decisions, but at least I don't smoke weed. Well, good for you, I guess. Like why we get in this comparison thing of it's, it's a religious trap of us comparing to each other. And yeah, you may not have killed someone, but all of us are in desperate need of salvation. You're just as bad and you are just as desperate as Jesus' rescue from your sin nature as the murderer is. All of us are equal at the foot of the cross. There may be different consequences for things on earth, but when it comes to your sin nature, we're all equal. And we're all in desperate need of a Savior. But we get in this religious trap of comparison. Listen, the enemy to progress is comparison. The enemy to progress is comparison. Because what happens is you get into your journey of life and the process that God has taken you through, through learning, you know, how to get to greatness and all this. You get into this, and then you start looking at somebody else's. And then you start thinking, well, this is how they got there. Or at least I'm not like them. Or, or maybe I should be more like them. And the enemy to your progress in fulfilling your purpose is starting to compare it to someone else's. If I could beg of you to fight against the urge to compare your journey that God has taken you on with someone else. Oh, man. What you could accomplish and what you could get a sense of God's working in your life if you would fight the comparison with someone else. It would be a miracle. I love he doesn't condemn them. Instead, he reroutes, he reroutes their path to being great. Flips the whole script. He says, you guys got it all twisted. Let me read the scripture again in verse 35. It says, sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and he said, anyone, listen to this, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. The reason why this is such a shift is because most of our culture, most of our society is all about figuring out how I can get in front of another person. How I can scheme my way or position my way or posture my way to just find a way to get to the front of the line where I can achieve greatness. And when I get to the front, there I will have greatness. Whenever I get to the front and look behind me and there's a bunch of people following me, well, then I will have greatness. And Jesus says, well, in the kingdom of God, the way we roll is whoever wants to be first must be last, must get to the back of the line. Now, this isn't talking about like, uh, you can never desire first place. And, you know, if you're an athlete, well, you better just be okay with being in last place. This isn't that. Jesus is not talking about a position. He's talking about a posture. He has no problem with posture. His problem is with you fighting for a position. Listen, he isn't talking about achievement. He's talking about your attitude. Jesus is not opposed with you achieving great things, but he's concerned with your attitude and how you go about achieving it. He wants you to go from an attitude of conquering, of, of getting ahead somehow, to an attitude of contentment. 
of I'm okay where God has me. I'm going to be faithful in the position he has me and trust that in his timing, he'll move me to the front. The greatest battle, let me just be vulnerable, I guess. The greatest battle, I believe, for me and, and probably many other pastors in my position is comparing myself to another pastor somewhere else and just saying, man, if I could just be like him or, or maybe I should do this or maybe, maybe C12, maybe we should do this because it's working somewhere else or maybe, maybe we should be like that or, we should be, or I should be like that or maybe I need, need to get more cooler or maybe if I just had this and that and that. And I believe what God has taught me very recently is, Austin, if you'll be faithful in the position I've given you and just be faithful and getting in the back of the line and serving people, I'll move you forward. I'll take you ahead. Listen, I wanted to tell you tonight, if you'll be faithful wherever God has you, just be faithful and be obedient. Even if it feels like the last, he'll take care of your progress. He'll take care of moving you forward. You just be faithful wherever he puts you, wherever he puts you. The wrong approach to achieving greatness will cause you to use people in order to reach a position. But listen, the right approach will cause you to use a position in order to reach people. The right approach is if God does give me the front of the line, if by chance that is my destiny, if by chance that is my purpose and I get out in front, and maybe I do achieve some sort of greatness like that, then the reason he's doing that is giving me a position in order to reach people. And see, in our world, we try and switch things, and we use people in order to get a position. But that's not how it works in the kingdom of God. I love what... Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. says, he says, anybody can be great because anybody can serve. Anybody can be great because anybody can serve. Listen to me. If serving is beneath you, then leadership is above you. If serving is beneath you, say it this way, then leadership is beyond you. If serving's too, like, petty and... I, that's not me, I'm big time, then leadership is beyond you. I want to give you, as we close out, just two things of what a servant leader does, who a servant leader is. Servant leaders sacrifice so others can succeed. Servant leaders sacrifice so others can succeed. I love the servant leaders here at C12. We got some amazing people that are on our team here, and I've said it the past couple weeks because I want you guys to know because I think it's unique, and, and I'm just a little bit prideful, and I love it, is uh, this ministry is kind of unique to all other ministries at 12 Stone because uh, it is run by you. It's peers serving peers, right? It doesn't, we're not bringing in like adults to come in and, and hold doors for you guys and serve you candy and that kind of thing. No, it's you guys doing that, right? We have some amazing servant leadership. When you walked in tonight, you probably ran in to someone holding a door, someone on the bridge waving, someone saying hello, someone being kind to you, uh, maybe someone handed you a bulletin, maybe if you're a first-time guest, you walked up to the tent, someone greeted you there, said hello, said welcome, gave you a gift bag, right? All these people are servant leaders, and you may have thought, man, 
these people have a lot of free time on their hands. Can I just tell you, they don't. They're facing probably very similar pressures as you are, very similar time constraints, very similar uh, things going on in their life. They've just bought in to the teaching of Jesus that says, if I want to achieve greatness, if I want to be great, I better serve. And servant leadership is not beyond me. And if I want to go to the top, I better go down to the bottom. If I want to get ahead, I better go to the back. These people have bought into that. And every week they show up ready to serve you. I love it. And this is, um, you know, they have to sacrifice their time. They sacrifice their energy. They're here early. Every person on this stage playing instruments tonight or singing is not paid. And they get here at 3.30 on Thursdays to practice. And they get nothing from it other than just embracing, I serve tonight. And Jesus has called me to serve. That's unbelievable. None of these people get paid to do this, but they serve. Check this out. Jesus endured the pain of the crucifixion so that you could enjoy the so that you could experience the joy of the resurrection. Think about it. Jesus endured the pain of the crucifixion so that you could enjoy the joy of the resurrection. And just like that, he expects you to have a similar approach. That I will sacrifice so that others can succeed. Or I will lay down my life so that others can experience him. I will sacrifice my time, my energy, whatever it takes so that other people can get a glimpse of him. This is what it means to be a servant leader. And I love it. Number two. Servant leaders don't need someone to say thank you. I want to read to you uh, that last portion of scripture that's kind of odd. Verse 36 uh, through 37. It says, he took a little child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. This is what I know about children. Children don't know how to say thank you. <laughs> like real, real, real young children, they, they don't even know when it's appropriate to say thank you. I've experienced this with my own kid. I mean, he's 11 months old. He, he doesn't really talk, so he couldn't say thank you if he wanted to, but I don't think he would. Uh, I've taken him to the pool. I took him to the pool the other day, and this kid is, like, relentless toward jumping into the pool. And I'm sitting there trying to hold him back, like, just using whatever I can. And I take him into, like, a little shallow end, and he's just... Just persistent on trying to go toward the stairs. And what I know is that if he goes any further, this kid is drowning. Like he doesn't have floaties on or anything, right? And so I keep holding him back, pulling him back. No, son, don't go over there. Don't run toward the edge. I walk him all the way to the edge. I put him down. He just takes off running toward the pool. And I keep having to save this kid. And you know what he never once said? <laughs> never once said thank you. And even if he was old enough to talk, I guarantee you he wouldn't have said thank you. He has no idea what I am saving him from. And Jesus, I think sometimes, would say to you, are you expecting a thank you when you serve people? I think one of the most annoying things, for those of you that are married in the room, you've experienced this, and one day you'll experience this when you get married. I, uh, 
I, the other day I was thinking, I was like, man, I'm going to bless my wife. I'm going to clean, clean our place for her. I'm going to clean up the house. She loves that. I'm going to clean up the house for her and just make her world a little bit easier, a little bit better. And so I went home from work early, got there, cleaned up. She's a neat freak, so I even did the vacuum thing. Uh, she, loves, she loves the lines in the carpet, so I got that joker out. Uh, don't do that often, but I did that thing. I cleaned the dishes, did all that, got it all set up. And she got home, and I was like, man, this is going to be a great night, right? Like, this is going to be good. And I know what y'all thinking. Y'all wrong. <laughs> so uh, I was like, this is going to be good. And so she comes home. She walks in, sits on the couch, starts talking about how rough her day was, everything. We start playing with our kid. Everything was great. I'm just like, yep, yep, just kind of waiting. Like, yep. And I tell you, it took about an hour for my wife to go, oh, my gosh, honey. Did you, did you clean up? I'm like, yeah, I cleaned up. It took me like an hour. I even put the vacuum lines in the carpet. So yeah, I cleaned up. And I found myself so frustrated with her because it took an hour to say thank you. It took an hour. <laughs> but I just started thinking, man, servant leadership. Am I okay with serving people who never say thank you? You know how frustrating it is when you hold a door open for somebody and they don't turn around and say thanks? You ever feel that in your soul? Am I okay with serving people who never say thank you? Servant, true servant leadership never requires a thank you response. Never requires it. Maybe nice to get it, but it doesn't require it. I want to read to you. One last scripture, and the band's going to come up. We're going to get ready to worship. But from Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 9, I think the true embodiment of humility, servant leadership was Jesus himself. It says this in verse 5. It says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, now this is cool, therefore God exalted him to the highest place. And gave him the name that is above every name. I love the word therefore. Anytime you see the word therefore in the scripture, you should ask yourself, what is it therefore? <laughs> right? Because, <laughs> mind blown. It's there. Because it says he took on the nature of a servant. And after he humbled himself, after he took on that, that's when he was exalted. That's when he was lifted high. A couple years ago, I was uh, traveling internationally, and uh, which is always fun. And uh, I got to this other country I was in, and going through the airport. And uh, you know, if, you ever, if you've ever been to an international airport, there's signs that that weren't English; they were another language. And I felt totally lost. I was like, "Good Lord, help me! Like I'm in real trouble." 
and uh, there was some confusion with our flights and where we were going and, and all this kind of stuff. And so it was kind of a panic mode because now you're, I'm in another country and, and wasn't sure what to do. And so I started looking around and I can't read any signs. I can't read concourse A, B, whatever it is and going, all right, what do we do? And so uh, I, see, I look ahead and I see help desk in English help desk. I'm like, they put that there for me and all other Americans, like help desk in English. So I started off on a sprint to the help desk. And I thought when I get there, that person is going to help me. <laughs> and uh, so as I was approaching the help desk, I remember getting a, few, a little bit of a distance away, but I, there was a lady sitting there. I said, ma'am, you got you to gotta help. I, I'm not sure where we're going. A little bit confused. Can you help me find our next gate? And just as I was so intense on talking to her and getting help from her, she gave me this look like she didn't hear anything I said. And, in fact, she looked, like, right past me. And I just went, you ever turn around, like, who is this lady looking at? And so I just kind of, ma'am, I don't think I snapped at her. I know not to do that. <laughs> ma'am, can you help me? I need to know where we're going. And once again, this lady just, like, blank stare at me. It's like, what in the world's going on? About that time, someone on our flight, another American guy, he says, he says, hey, man, can I help you? I think he was from there, kind of knew his way around or whatever. He said, can I help you? With something? I said, man, we're, we're kind of in a rush trying to get to our next flight. Don't, don't know where we're going, all this kind of stuff. He said, okay, let me figure this out. So he went on this, like, mad search trying to find the little screen and figure out where we're going. He comes back, and he says, he says just so you know, sir, uh, that lady behind the desk doesn't speak any English. She had no clue what you're saying. And he said, also, just so you know, uh, she doesn't even work there. She just found a seat behind the help desk. Oh. So I said, well, how appropriate, you know, that you would just find a seat behind the help desk. <laughs> and I'm just like, wonderful, great, thanks. This lady knew nothing. That's why I got a blank stare. I think, you know, when, when you decide to become a follower of Jesus, you and I as followers of Jesus wear a giant help desk t-shirt or there's a giant help desk sign over our head essentially saying I'm here to serve you I'm a servant whatever you need I'm here to serve you I don't need I don't need appreciation I don't need you to say thank you I'm here for you right this is not listen to me servant leadership is not something you do it's someone you are you got to know that. It's not something you do. It's not something you sign up for. It's someone you become. And it's like you're wearing servant leadership over your head going, anybody who needs to be served, I'm here for you. And listen, when you're a follower of Jesus and you fail at this, when you get too busy with something, you don't have time, things are hectic, or, or I just got distracted and I just bypassed someone and all this kind of stuff, what you're doing is essentially a blank stare at them, not even speaking their own language, and they're walking up going, hey, I need some help. And you're saying, I don't have time, I don't have energy, I got a lot of other things going on, whatever but you're missing your opportunity to help someone. And you're failing, and you're, you're, you're mis-communicating like, what a help desk is. And as Jesus followers, we're here to serve people. And what I love about C12 is we're full of people that go, whoever you are, 
black, white, Asian, Hispanic, whatever, whoever, come through the doors, and I'm a giant help desk just willing to serve people. Want me to hold a door, not say thank you? That's fine with me. Want me to hand a bullet in? You don't smile at me? That's fine with me. Whatever you need. Want me to play a guitar and never get paid? That's fine with me. Want me to play a guitar and no one ever say, hey, you did great? That's fine with me. I'm here to serve. That's who we are. Servant leaders sacrifice so that others can succeed. We lay our lives down so that others can experience him. This is who we are. And so tonight, I thought it would be wild for us to not talk about ways that you can become a servant leader here at C12. And I want you to hear before I get into this, uh, this is not some kind of sales pitch. I really don't care if you serve here or where you serve. Uh, I just think you should serve. If you're a follower of Jesus, you should serve. And uh, honestly, I don't care if it's this church, another church, somewhere, wherever. Just get involved. Serve. This is who you are when you signed up to be a Jesus follower, is a servant of people. But I think we got some great opportunities here. And I just wanted to give them to you and just say, hey, this is how we run. We can't operate without servant leaders. And so uh, tonight I want to give you an opportunity just to kind of hear about what those are. And if you're interested, great. If not, great. And, uh, but I pray, I pray that you embrace your calling to be a servant leader, to get to the back of the line and to serve people, to not need a thank you. I just serve people. This is what I do. This is who I am. So let me just kind of tell you a little bit about those, and then we'll worship together. Uh, I've got some on the screen. Just want to kind of roll through them on the screen. These are different teams that we have on Thursday nights that you may be interested to jump a part of, and, and uh, we can give you some more information and details about them. But prayer team is a team that we have that's committed to praying for. We've got prayer requests stationed in the back, committed to praying for whatever you're walking through, committed to being kind of the prayer warriors of our group. And so that's a team you can jump in on. Uh, our first-time guest team, if you're a first-time guest, you likely went to the tent. And so, uh, man, we constantly have first-time people coming in. We believe that uh, the key is actually not first-time guests, it's second-time guests. Because if you have a lot of first-time people and no second-time people, then something's breaking down, right? And so uh, if you want to join the first-time guest team, you can do that. Uh, we've got the environment team. These are people that show up a little bit early to help us set up for the night, get everything in the lobby, all that kind of stuff. And so that's a team you can join. Frontline team, these are the people that welcome you on the bridge, hold a door open for you. Uh, we believe that, that many people decide if they love C12 or not before they ever get into the service. And so it's our desire to make what happens out there uh, a friendly, encouraging type environment. And so we're always looking for some fresh smiles to be a part of that. Our creative team, if you got any skills or passions in graphics or pictures, or video, that kind of stuff. We have a team of people that does all that. The video you saw right before the service, that awesome video was created uh, by our creative team. And so, uh, man, if that's you, you could do that. And then lastly, our incredible worship and our production team. Our production people are in the back in the booth running everything that happens, and it takes an incredible army of people to, uh, to make what happens here on Thursday night happen. So, like I said, uh, not my desire to guilt you into anything. I just want to tell you that there are options and there are opportunities. And my heart is that you would embrace what it means to be a servant leader. And wherever that gets carried out at, that you would experience greatness because you were a servant. That's my heart for you. So let me pray over you tonight and then we'll worship together.
So, Father, we love you. And, um, Lord, first of all, we're grateful that you served us and that you laid your life down for us. Lord, if it wasn't for that, um, not much of a reason to serve other people. And so, God, we thank you that because you loved us, we can love others. And so, Lord, I, I pray that you would mark the hearts of each person in this room that you would shift thinking in their own mind that even if it's not here and God even beyond the walls of the church that servant leadership would become who they are not something they do but who they are in the classroom at work God that they would just become servants of people Lord I believe that you desire to use servants and, and, and your primary vehicle for getting the love of Jesus extended to all people is by people being willing to serve. And so, God, would you mark that and press that on the hearts of our group. Lord, we love you. You're worthy of our worship tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.